fucked. What can we do? A lot of us are overwhelmed, pissed, and scared. I don't want to wait till the next election. I don't want to just write my congressperson and hope that they'll do the right thing. I don't want to just post things to the vacuum of social media. I don't want to just make statements about things. I want to change how things are. There are a zillion things we can do, and people are coming up with new ones all the time. This video is going to focus on mutual aid projects, what they are, and why we should be developing them right now. Mutual aid projects are a form of political participation in which people take responsibility for caring for one another and changing political conditions, not just through symbolic acts or putting pressure on their representatives in government, but by actually building new social relations that are more survivable. During recent flooding and storms, we saw mutual aid in action as people helped each other survive. Mutual aid isn't just for those big weather disasters, it is also for the daily routine, life-threatening disasters of capitalism and white supremacy. People who are pissed about police and prisons are doing mutual aid work like creating prison letter writing projects, where people get connected to pen pals in prison to build relationships, help prepare for release, help prisoners have advocates on the outside, and help build a movement against policing in prisons that is informed and led by the people who know the very most about how the system actually works. Some people are creating jail support programs where people get together to make a schedule and agree to be outside their local jail on that schedule and greet anyone getting out and help them get what they need. Maybe a ride, clothes, a phone to call contacts, information about services or benefits. Some people are organizing community bail funds, revolving funds that can pay people's bail so that they are not locked up while they try to prepare for their defense. Money bail systems are one of the ways that poor people and people of color are given the worst chances in the criminal system. Court support projects are where people coordinate to accompany someone facing charges to their court dates, ideally by packing the court with supporters each time so that no one has to go alone, and sometimes to influence lawyers, judges, and jury by showing their support for the criminalized person. Some people are coordinating ride systems to help families visit prisoners who are being held in facilities far from home. In Oakland, the Oakland Power Projects are about strengthening people's skills to respond to community emergencies in ways that minimize police contact. When you call 911 for a health emergency, the cops come too, and that often leads to violence. The Oakland Power Projects is about training the community to respond to health emergencies, including mental health crises, chronic health problems, and acute health emergencies, so that people don't have to call 911. People who are scared about the emboldenment of ICE and Border Patrol and increasing deportations are doing things like forming rapid response networks where people warn each other about immigration raids and help each other hide, and helping immigrants do safety planning in case they get detained so that someone is ready to take care of their kids and elders. Some rapid response projects are even working on training people to show up and physically stop ICE from taking someone away. Imagine if we built that kind of power to stop arrests through rapid mobilization of a lot of people to outnumber cops. No More Deaths, an organization in Arizona, works to save the lives of people crossing the border by putting food, water, and supplies in the harsh desert areas where people who are crossing often die from the conditions. There are so many mutual aid project possibilities because there are so many intense ways people aren't having their needs met in the brutal systems we live under. Like food projects like Food Not Bombs, projects where people organize temporary housing for people coming out of prison or foster care by opening their homes to each other. 
child care collectives where people watch each other's kids so they can go to political meetings, court, or jobs. Projects where people accompany vulnerable people, like trans people or people with disabilities, to medical appointments or public benefits offices and hearings. Projects where people make sure neighbors being pushed out by gentrification have good access to information about their housing rights and accompany each other to housing court, help people read documents and defend themselves from eviction. Projects where people protest landlords who are refusing to make repairs or give back security deposits by directly protesting at those landlords' houses and businesses. The messages of this work are, the government is fucked, we can't rely on it. You are not alone. The system is the problem, not the person being targeted by it. And we're gonna take matters into our own hands and help each other survive right now, rather than expecting help from the same systems that have a clear history of causing harm. Mutual aid projects don't just help with the current disasters, they help us prepare for the ongoing disasters that are emerging because of climate chaos and crumbling infrastructure. When we build cooperative projects, practice making decisions together, share things, meet more people in our communities and learn about each other's skills and needs, and learn how current systems work and how they are not working, we're better prepared for the next storm, the next blackout, and the next budget cuts. Something really important about all this is that mutual aid is not charity. Charity is where rich people and institutions give tiny crumbs to poor people to make themselves look better. Usually there are a lot of strings attached to what they give, like giving only to mothers or only to children, only to sober people or only to people of faith. Charity rides on the idea that rich people or social workers should decide who is a deserving poor and who is the undeserving poor, and that rich people can put conditions on the housing or food or cash they give poor people. Charity blames poor people for poverty. Mutual aid blames the system for making people poor and says everyone deserves everything they need. Charity affirms the existing distribution of wealth and life chances. Mutual aid challenges it. Charity is top-down, mutual aid is horizontal. Charity is about control, hierarchy, and isolation. Mutual aid is about solidarity, liberation, and participation. People are scared and angry right now and trying to find ways to fight back and support each other. Building mutual aid projects is a way to plug people in, build shared understandings of current conditions, offer meaningful support to vulnerable people, and prepare for the coming disasters. Mutual aid work is not easy. It means forming lasting commitments to doing hard work, collaborating with people even when we have conflict, and facing the heart-wrenching realities of the systems we live under. It is also deeply satisfying work that transforms us from being exasperated, passive observers of the shitstorm we're living in to inspired builders of the new world we desperately crave and need. Stop believing in authority and start believing in each other. We're all we've got, we're all we need.
just joining us. You've heard already there's been an increase in detentions in other counties near San Francisco and there may be more to come. So we're here to show our support and demand not one more. About recently being released from a detention facility at the border.
estando en ese lugar me di cuenta que te niegan la posibilidad de tener un doctor, esperan hasta el último momento para que tu hijo se enferme, no te, no te, dan, la, no te dan la posibilidad de pedir un doctor, te humillan de tal forma solo porque eres de otro país y no perteneces acá por no tener papeles. I also want to speak to the conditions uh, of detention for people who are, are needing medical help. There isn't any way to request medical help for your children in these facilities. In fact, they wait until the children are about to die to try and help them. There, uh, it is so humiliating the way they treat you in there simply because you don't have papers. Y, y solo quiero decir y recalcar Recordemos siempre a los niños que han muerto, a las familias completas que han quedado en el desierto, a las que han muerto en los ríos, en el río. Y no solo quiero pedir paz y amor para todos, que nosotros nos unamos en, en contra de este presidente que nos quiere intimidar, que nos quiere decir que no pertenecemos acá. Cuando todos nosotros los inmigrantes trabajamos para este país para hacerlo más grande con día a día. I want to ask us to keep remembering the children that have been uh, that have been dying at the hands of the detention centers. I want to ask us to remember the people that keep dying as they're coming uh, through the desert or in the river. I want to ask you to remember that even if this uh, this president, even if Trump is trying to intimidate us as immigrants, we are who make this country uh, the future that it is. And as immigrants, we are the ones that are making this country be sustainable. acá en la lucha, agradecerles a los, a los americanos, tanto como ellos, hacen posible todo esto, tantas personas que se dan su tiempo para venir a luchar, para que cierren los campamentos donde están nuestros niños y donde mueren los niños. for being here today. And I want to thank you in advance for the, the fight that you're going to put on until all the detention centers where our children keep dying are closed. Thank you. All right, we are out here at the ICE building at 6.30 cents, and we've shut down the street. There's hundreds of folks and more coming. Come join us to demand an end to this. immigrant rights are under attack, what do we do? When immigrant rights are under attack, what do we do? weekly review with Roman today it's Friday July 12th um, thanks so much for tuning in perhaps it's your first time perhaps you've listened before I uh, appreciate it thanks so much we're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio 
<clears throat> uh, my throat's a little bit sore at the moment, so I won't be doing very much talking, or I'm going to try to not talk as much today. Definitely, there's a lot of audio to share with all the listeners out there. First, wanted to give credit to the the first video. Um, the audio that we played is from a video that's it was uploaded to YouTube, but fairly recently on July 9th, called "Shit's Totally Fucked Up: What Can We Do?" A mutual aid explainer. And that was written by Dean Spade and Ciro Carrillo and narrated by Dean Spade with visuals, editing, and music by Ciro Carrillo. And we've also shared that on the Weekly Review webpage. Uh, so if you're interested in checking that out again and or sharing it with folks, you can find that at facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. And then afterwards, played a clip of one of the speakers from uh, one of the rallies that happened yesterday in San Francisco out, outside of ICE headquarters on Sansom Street. And for if you'd like to check out the full video, it's a little over an hour long. There's a lot of speakers there. I recommend folks check that out. If you go to Bay Resistance, they have shared the video in full. We've also shared that on the Weekly Review webpage. And I'm going to share it again just in case I forgot to do that. So folks will uh, be able to check that out. There's also a lot of events happening around the country today. Uh, there are many happening in the Bay Area as well. And I'm going to get to that. We do have guests coming in at 1230, so I'm going to start off with a few events that are happening uh, right now or happening today uh, so because I don't want to forget them oh goodness yeah a lot to get to and never can quite get to all, everything that we want to and at the same time want to use this time as wisely <coughs> oh excuse me yikes uh, as we can. Lots of yelling yesterday. Lots of yelling. Okay, so starting off today, Friday, July 12th, um, right now, if you happen to be listening to this and you can get out your door before 1230, there's uh, protests happening right now outside San Francisco ICE headquarters at 630 Sansom Street. And there's also, it's going to be continuing on. Um, there's just a few, there's a lot of different events that have been organized by different organizations. Uh, there's one also, Stop ICE, Friday it's today happening at 2 p.m. ICE headquarters in San Francisco as well. Um, OccupyOakland.org has uh, more information about that. There's also one happening at uh, Palo Alto, Close the Concentration Camps, which is happening today, Friday, July 12th at 4.30 p.m. outside the Palantir uh, facility. We know Palantir has collaborated with ICE, and they should be shut the fuck down. Uh, next up at 5 p.m., uh, at Oscar Grant Plaza, there's a vigil gathering for immigrant children. That's in Oakland, again, at 5 p.m. at Oscar Grant Plaza. Next up, uh, Lights for Liberty in San Francisco, which is at Powell and Market Street. And that's happening tonight at 7 p.m. And um, there's a lot of Lights for Liberty events happening around the country tonight. So no matter where you are in the country, odds are there's something happening near you. And if there's not something happening near you, start one. Uh, there's also one happening in Oakland tonight at 7 p.m. by Lake Merritt. There's also one happening in Berkeley at the I-80 overpass. There's also tomorrow, if you can't make anything today, uh, and the one happening at the overpass, I-80 overpass in Berkeley today is happening at 8 p.m. Um, tomorrow, and obviously folks can go today and tomorrow, um, happening tomorrow at, uh, which is Saturday, July 13th at 12 noon at Berkeley Civic Center Park, close the camps. Uh, also, OccupyOakland.org has more more information on the event. I'm talking really quickly because I want to make sure I get to as much as I can. Also, there's a surge, uh, which is showing up for racial justice, has a Lights for Liberty event happening tomorrow as well, July 13th in Oakland at the Grand Lake. Um, it just says Oakland Grand Lake at 12 noon. 
So these are just a few events that are happening in the next couple days here in the Bay Area. There very well may be more. And also I know there was ones happening around the country. So no matter where you're listening, uh, please uh, check in and see about attending an event that's near you. It's great for networking and meeting other organizers and activists and folks and finding out how you can become just more informed and more uh, active, I guess. It's it's the kind of thing that's difficult to talk about, and I often, oh, you know, how to find the the words to to speak about what's happening, and also we do have to be active, and also there's as the first video alluded to, there's a lot of different ways to be active. So no matter what people's resources are, there are ways that people can show up, and one way is certainly to have conversations with people, to get to know your neighbors, and to to do what we can. So I wanted to I wanted to share that. A while ago, I also shared there's a Google Doc that has a lot of other information on um, how to show up for the uh, ha- yes, how to show up. So I believe I've also shared that on our Facebook Weekly Review webpage. I'm going to scroll down right now, and it has there's a lot of different items. Some can be like calling representatives. Uh, some items can be organizations to donate to. Um, others are like trainings to go towards. It's called, yeah, Taking Action on Immigrant Detention. And I believe I've mentioned it. It's been around for a little bit, and I've mentioned it. Again, the thing with the last few years is that it feels like there's like the time, it feels like it's been a long time since 2016, and also just every day. Like there's so much that happens. And also with the, with the news that we're now with social media, you know, in the last couple of decades. It's like a nonstop news cycle, and for better or for worse, many folks can share what's happening, and at times it can feel like a bit of an overwhelm, and it's a matter of like wanting to stay informed and to understand what's happening, and at the same time, uh, not let it totally overwhelm us so that we can't be active. So yes, there's a document that has a lot of a lot of info, uh, the few things I mentioned already, um, including being an ally during raids and how you can report raids to the National Immigration Detention Hotline and a few other organizations as well. And a reminder not to share information about uh, contem- contemporaneous raids unless the info has been thoroughly vetted and verified. It's also links to healthcare providers, um, ways you can donate to legal support, such as uh, RACES, which is R-A-I-C-E-S. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of organizations listed there, probably about two dozen um, other uh, bail and bonds, uh, funds and support you can share, humanitarian support. And the list is, is quite long. And other ways you can also share information, including uh, Know Your Rights pamphlets as well. And there's also a teach-in handout. And for folks who want to support political candidates, there's also a list of political candidates who... Um, say they're at least going to take action on this. And there's also a list of protests and visibility, so ways that folks can show up at protests that are happening, as well as needs for volunteers, uh, such as Spanish speakers, uh, do a remote intake for lawyers for good government. Uh, there's translators for the CARE Coalition, and that's C-A-I-R. A few other uh, no more deaths you can translate for, as well as immigration justice campaign. Also a list of immigration lawyers, other lawyers, and artists. So if you like to make art, I'm a fan. I'm a person who enjoys making art. That's what I have the energy for. Other um, ways you can contribute to art installation projects. 
and you can make comfort dolls. There's a project called You Are Loved. Uh, there's a need for healthcare volunteers as well as other volunteering uh, places to boycott because there are businesses that collaborate with ICE. Um, I heard that enterprise, it's yet to be verified, so I probably shouldn't say, say it on the air, but there are a lot of organizations and companies out there that profit off this, and so they should also be boycotted, as well as a list of miscellaneous other ways folks can help out, including being a sponsor for asylum seekers, being a sponsor for LGBTQ plus asylum seekers, etc. So there's a lot of information there. And again, we've shared it. I'm going to share it yet again on the Weekly Review webpage. Um, so it's just a lot of ways, a lot of ways folks can show up regardless of, of where you're at. And if everyone can show up in at least one way, uh, we could we could put an end to this very quickly. Okay, so I'm going to take a bit of a music break. I also, in case I don't get to it, because there's a lot to get to, I wanted just to highlight a couple of, a lot of folks have been protesting, which is great. There's been immigrant uh, rights protesters who blocked traffic and disrupted an Amazon conference at Javits Center in New York. Uh, even ABC uh, covered it. So when the mainstream news even shows up, that means something. That means at least people are beginning to pay attention. Um, and they did a story on that on July 11th. And also... There have been other plans as well for other other protests. And also, uh, speaking of Amazon, the staff is set to strike during Prime Day over working conditions. So sending lots of love and solidarity to the workers at Amazon to shut it down. All right, we're going to take a bit of a music break. When we return at 12.30, we'll be speaking to a few guests. And yes, last week we recommended an artist named Ruby Ibarra. So I wanted to play some music from Ruby Ibarra. And this first song is called Taking Names. So we'll be back in a bit. Stay tuned. Yo, Ruby, what's happening with you? You got your body enough, you feel me? The gorilla Pino Pope. You know, I'll be bringing them out, but you brought them out, man. They got these crazy Filipinos in the building. Overrated the East Bay. We stay surviving where we stay. They keep in vain where we lay. There's no debating that we pay. That naval base up in Subic Bay to all the places that they tried to take. From Magellan's days to Phillips Rape, where the land was raped and they changed the way. To my father drowning in the alcohol. Then my mama always be up in the Escanal. Cause he starts to make the brown skin start to crawl. So I take the cushion just to break the fall. Second class citizen, never been one. Traded the peso so we can have ones. Darker the skin and you scared of the sun. Silence to speak with an accent and tongue. All of these faces I'm looking like none Time to forget all the places I'm from But we grew up on the body going slums My undies be drinking that red horse and rum Never be stopping, the worst never done Long as they keep on corrupting the funds Thinking the damage is done and they won But we stay militant daughters and sons Let's take it back to the day of first grade All of you thinking to throw me shade My people are roses that grew in the shade We came up in places exploited by trade I kill them with a bar so hot cause it's top notch Thinking that your top might stop, not on my watch Like it's 1230 on the dot on the clock watch All I see your hands up and down when the beat drops Cause this is Roll call, I'm taking names out. We only go raw. I'm taking aim now. And when it's roll call, they know my name now. I make them all fall. I'm about to break out. There's some crazy Filipinos in here. Hell yeah. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real. Yeah, yeah. There's some crazy Filipinos in here. That's Hell right. Yeah. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some crazy Filipinos in here From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real There's some crazy Filipinos in here From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real 
jungle, yeah, the savage is real. Politicians, police, and capital greed. Body, I'm Gami. I say, say my name in the right way. Say her name in a pig's face. Mispronouncing these linguistics might find you washing up in the East Bay. And at this point in time, there are tribal tattoo tribes. All these stupid fools, but on costumes like indigenous ancestors still alive. And while they massacre the first island man, I see Phil M's make clans. Sporting tribal tats, but not giving back and not ensuring the natives go land. That's that part that I can't stand. Push that PCM beyond dance. Push that PCM for your college club to build bridges up the homeland. Only time I do the thinning thing is when the bullets ring and I gotta jump. Pick up to eyes in the jungle that's ready to dump. Gorilla Pinos, that's a shout out to nothing. I murder a drum like it's awesome and drugs and a body guy to get by. And who dirt the game, green lights, the vigilantes, now drums must die. Got a little accent when I rap and I go back shit on the track. But I hold no candles to the sister soldier, young Ruby E. Cause this is roll call, I'm taking names out We only go raw, I'm taking aim now And when it's roll call, they know my name now I make them all fall, I'm back to break out There's some crazy Filipinos in here Hell yeah From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real Yeah, yeah There's some crazy Filipinos in here That's right From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real some crazy Filipinos in here. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real. There's some crazy Filipinos in here. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real. You thinking you're winning, but no, you ain't winning. They running this shit right now. And since the beginning was taught to pretend, so we bleaching our skin right now. Cause even my roots is the product, the one they were killing our kin. Wipe out our pressure from systems that's holding the power. They cutting again right now. But if they miss. Pronounce my name again and make them taking every single syllable over again And so never say my name if you think it, you never can Cause my name is a part of me, it'll be something I will defend So if you cross me, you went in the crosshairs Crossing you out when I'm tossing the bars They're twisting their face like they mispronounce names And I'm tearing them down, I'm not stopping my reign Flow so cold, going off from the top so pro Break them off when the bars go blow Ain't no stopping though, when I speak, get them coughing So I'm a problem, it's plotting slow Like a sharp bow low, when I'm talking, they all get froze I'm like pop, and yes I throw Hella profit flows, it's approximate toxic those When I got this, I drop it so Keep it raw, they know, cause they Till they stop that slow When they search up your pockets So ain't no options though Better roam when the odds go low Got your arm in the lock and hold Hope you say tenfold Or they box and they lock you so Till you rot and you lost control And they profit though All these pigs that be plotting yo And these kids that they target Oh, it's a constant flow Cause this is roll call I'm taking names out We only go raw I'm taking aim now And when it's roll call They know my name now I make them all fall I'm back to break out there's some crazy Filipinos in here. Hell yeah. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real. Yeah, yeah. There's some crazy Filipinos in here. That's Hell right. Yeah. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some crazy Filipinos in here. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real. Yeah, yeah. There's some crazy Filipinos in here. From the jungle, yeah, the savage is real.
Walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman Rise alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Island woman rise Walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman Rise alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Yo, fuck a story arc if it don't involve no matriarchs and mothers work from the ground up. They craft an air like ATR with the butterflies leaves. Taka Philippine gun. Napag nagsalita mga panatay bala. Wag magtaka kung ako ay makatabulok na sistema. Kurapag sa pera. Bagsak pa we putting our heart into darkness. They putting these fix in the office. Oh, you thinking you're schooling but you hella lost cause you best get the boss while I top this. But look at my eye that she moving so cold. Can't hold a candle to her when she glow. Flick at the wrist with that ilaw she hold. Panago sa ilaw she dripping in gold. We pulling up in a jeep. All of my soldiers greet me Hand me bandanas and pull back my hammer It's warfare when you see me Skin you alive for my country I live and die for my country I kill a pig in a white hooded suit on the low For my country They got evil plans in the devil's hands But I don't pray cause I organize They got new ways to impose strength But I teach mine how to mobilize We don't fight for the money For the greedy, for the white man All we want is our freedom And the right to live on our motherland Island woman rise, walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Island woman rise, walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Goddess of guerrilla warfare in every lifetime We don't take no shit except an oppressor's lifeline If you step out of your line, I will protect what's mine Kahit merong rosario, sino magdilikas sa'yo? Puro dugo, pukut ulo, mulat sa dagat, tago mo to Proclaim it with stars, the high and the low These women are gods, you already know Rooks deeper than water, they're running A village, a river runs red, you'll be dead in a minute Like Nevis for nine, just have you beheaded Fuck with my tribe, quickly regret it Isang mikrobono sabay At ang tapang ko kaya nanginay At halimaw nang sumasabay Mga baran yo lahat sablay Mga rappers na puro bangkay Tinamaan ko lahat patay Kaya walang mag-iingay I got that Filipino phenotype Kayo mag-i-mestizo white But give me that moreno like That Rufio Rakino type My lola stay be speaking like Those Bali songs and bolo knife I breathe the ether, need no hype Two tongues are sharper with the mic I need no end my history like From a land where greed is beeping tight they thieve until one piece of might Just turn to see no see no light Hacienda like Aquino, right? Rodrigo vigilante type They kill my titles left and right With smoke and mirrors fill the night So let it be known If you don't already Pinayas have always been part and parcel If not imperative and critical to the struggle Filipinas are no strangers to wielding our own power of all the privileges that exist in this world, none of which you may be a benefactor of, there is at least one you bear, and that is the privilege of having been born a Filipina. Your DNA contains building blocks made from the mud of over 500 years of resistance and survival, and when you are ready, sis, we'll be right here. Island woman rise, 
walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman, rise alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Island woman, rise, walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman, rise alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Isang bagsak And welcome back to the weekly review. I'm joined here by a couple of guests. If you'd like to uh, please introduce yourselves to our listeners. Hi, I'm Cecilia Palmtag, and um, I am uh, a member of Citizens Climate Lobby um, uh, and uh, studying a returning student studying in the field of environmental studies. Um, yeah, want to do some work in sustainability. So, Great. thanks for being here. <laughs> And I'm Max Gennis. I am also with Citizens Climate Lobby. We are pushing a carbon fee and dividend bill, and um, I'm an economist, so cool. living in San Francisco. Great. Thanks for being here, and big thanks to Val for connecting us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought perhaps we could start about the organization that you're with. Sure, yeah. So the organization's been around quite a few years, I think about 10 years, and for a long time it was we've had a sole focus on bringing together activists with policymakers, um, which you can kind of tell from the name, Citizens mm -hmm. Climate Lobby. And we've pushed around a single bill, the, or the idea of a carbon fee and dividend. Mm -hmm. And the idea that, of this bill is that you would tax carbon, or put, place a fee on carbon uh, emissions, mm -hmm. and you would distribute the proceeds universally to every person in the US. That sounds great. Yeah, so it's been an exciting time. I've only joined over the past few months, but the idea for several years was to build um, build an advocacy group for this kind of concept, and we've pivoted since last year into pushing a specific bill. So we have a bill in Congress now, which Great. is really exciting. Excellent. Yeah. So how did the two of you both get involved uh, with this, or what made you decide to go into this line of work? So the thing that was really interesting to me, I first found out about this um, uh, about four or five years ago, um, and uh, uh, um, there was a, f a fellow named Jeff who is the the chair of um, the tabling efforts at uh, the Citizens Climate Lobby, and um, I saw him at a Sunday Streets um, in the Excelsior, mm -hmm. um, and I've learned about this carbon fee and dividend and it's so one of the things that i loved about it was that it was so laser focused mm -hmm. um and so effective you know there's a lot of there's like um so much uh, enthusiasm and passion it, it can for myself personally and advocacy it felt like my energy could get dispersed really yes. easily so um so the the sort of um the laser focus of the organization and the way that it went about um affecting change through legislation and building like alliances with lawmakers, mm -hmm. um, that was so attractive to me um, uh, because it uh, because it just seemed like the most effective way to to um, or one of the most effective ways to kind of enact change. Um, and uh, uh, I sat on my hands for a few years, <laughs> um, but eventually came around to um, to a meeting last November and. Um, uh, uh, a chapter meeting and there's it's a national organization so there's chapter meetings like 500 chapter meetings in the country oh wow yeah um so uh so the san francisco chapter is really active um and robust and uh, it's like doubled or tripled in size in the last six months or so oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah um uh so yeah i um uh do a lot of tabling efforts you know meeting people having conversations with people mm -hmm. um also uh recently did a little um 
what's that word called? Lobbying, mm-hmm. like direct lobbying with them mm. uh, at the Diane Feinstein's office. Oh, so <sighs> yeah. I may I ask how that went? Uh, very good, actually. Yeah. So, so um, uh, the video that went viral yes. um, a few months yes, ago. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is. Um, uh, I definitely understand, like um, the sort of um, uh, uh, the the concerns about not being receptive and not being like um, uh, compassionate and and being really dismissive to the young advocates. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's actually she actually has been an environmental advocate, and mm. she supports specifically a carbon fee and dividend bill. Um, and so there's like also, you know, the young advocates like understanding that they, you know, maybe that's not the best way to lobby. <laughs> like to, to one, one thing that I've learned through this process is that, um, like sitting down with, um, uh, with a lawmaker and to appreciate the work that they have done. Mm-hmm. Cause usually they are, um, they are like doing work and laying foundations and building relationships. Um, if you're lucky and live in San Francisco, mm. um, then then your lawmaker has already been advocating um, or supporting things that you know are in line with what um, with what your uh, your you know, specifically the carbon fee and dividend mm-hmm. um, in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so so one great way to 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 build a relationship is to say, hey, thanks for your work on X Y Z, and my concerns are around here and here. So um, so definitely understanding it. Um, uh, from that human relationship building, um, perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Huh. Yeah. And I actually had the opportunity as well to, um, to do some lobbying. Mm -hmm. I, as I mentioned, I've only joined maybe six months ago. So I think it's similar time as Cecilia and I'd been following the type of bill for several years. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most agreed upon, tools for combating climate change that economists and environmental activists or uh, scientists tend to agree upon. Mm-hmm. So I only found out about these 500 chapters and that San Francisco had this amazing one. I checked out the Oakland one and um, I went to the national conference that we have in DC mm-hmm. and that was maybe a month ago or so. And the idea there is to get people from all of these 500 chapters, yes. ideally every congressional district, because that's sort of what we're going for. We have about 50 co-sponsors now for our bill, um, which is really exciting. And uh, But part of that also was lobbying legislators directly. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet with Nancy Pelosi's staff. Um, Nancy Pelosi doesn't tend to take positions on specific bills. So um, just because she's a speaker, um, Uh that's sort of the tradition. Uh Um, But we are trying to get her to support other, you know, do behind the scenes kinds of things to promote the bill. Yeah. Um, I met also with a senator from um, Pennsylvania, I think, or house member. Mm -hmm. So also got to see some other perspectives, which was cool. Yeah. Um, something you mentioned I just thought was curious was that the idea of not taking a position on something. And I feel like climate change is like, how can one, regardless of their job title or position, not take a stance on climate change? Oh, I think I guess. Pelosi definitely has a strong stance on climate change in mm-hmm. general. Um, and I think she's actually spoken even in favor of carbon pricing in mm-hmm. the past. Uh, she, of course, uh, was really involved in the cap and trade effort in 20, 2009, I think, 2010. Yeah, it was kind of her baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that failed, unfortunately, um, in the Senate, I believe. So she's she's just not taking a stand on this particular bill. I see. Um, so. And that's kind of, um, uh, it's a mixed blessing, um, because even though she would be a really strong voice and advocate for mm-hmm. it, you know, um, there is... 
one of the the kind of really interesting and attractive things about uh, Citizens Climate Lobby is that it's it's a, a nonpartisan group. Mm-hmm. So lots of different diverse political views of people coming together. Um, and if Nancy Pelosi took a stand on this bill, then there might be a knee jerk reaction against it from hmm. a particular group of people. Wow. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that actually, is a consideration. Uh, yeah, so last year, this is the second year that it's been introduced in Congress. Uh-huh. And the uh, last year, it was introduced by John Delaney, who's a mm-hmm. Democrat in the mm-hmm. House. He's running for president now. And also um, Mark Carbello. And in the Senate, it was uh, Jeff Flake on the Republican side. Uh-huh. And I think probably several senators were pretty interested on the Democratic side. But we're actually not, since we don't have a Democrat sorry, Republican in the Senate, um, it hasn't been introduced. So that's kind of a something that we're explicitly targeting is making sure that when it's introduced in Congress, mm-hmm. it has bipartisan um, sponsors. So that's true in the House. We have one Republican co-sponsor in the House. Mm-hmm. Um, the other 50 or so are Democrats. But uh, <laughs> yeah. um, at the moment. Yeah. yeah, but we're working on that. So, yeah. I mean, a big part of the lobbying day in D.C. was meeting with as many Republican Congress, uh, Congress people as possible, especially people from their own district, mm-hmm. many of whom really do care about climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, we just haven't quite gotten that person on the Senate side yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some some of it is like a language thing. Some of it is a particular um, because it's climate change has become so politicized um, uh, that um, that even though um, the majority of Americans there was uh, within the last six months there was a poll that came out and the the majority like around sixty percent of Americans are um, concerned like significantly mm-hmm. concerned about climate change um, and and the vast majority are in favor of renewables in favor of, of energy efficiency. Um, And people want to see solutions. Um, They just, there's some resistance around the language of climate change or this idea of, um, of like being controlled by, by harsh regulations or Uh um, so, uh, so that's one of the, the kind of um, appealing things about um, the, the bill that um, CCL is, is working towards Mm -hmm. because it's, um, it's it doesn't have the sort of visionary um, uh, visionary New Deal aspect as the Green New Deal. Yeah. Um, but it's so it's um, it's so effective that it would reduce carbon emissions by forty percent oh, in wow. ten years. Wow. Um, and it would create millions of jobs and like um, by the end of it, um, every American household of four people would have, um, a check for $2,000 every month. Oh, wow. So it's like when you get to brass tacks, it's not, it doesn't, you know, the bill itself isn't very sexy, (laughs) but what it does is just so, so effective. And, um, yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about the specific, like, how does the bill exactly operate or how, if it were to get passed, how, what would that mean for the average, like person? And does that also, as someone who doesn't own a car and I'm not really a big... Anyway, just curious as to if you could just give a, maybe a bit of a synopsis about the bill itself. Yeah, sure. So it's a carbon price of $15 per ton to start, but rises $10 every year. Uh-huh. And that would put in the first year roughly $20 per month in... Um, it gets distributed uh, per adult and about $10 per child. But that also, that amount would go up over time as well. And... So you'd be paying, as someone who doesn't own a car, you wouldn't be paying the additional taxes. Um, Roughly, a rule of thumb is about $0.10 per gallon is what a $10 
per ton fee would be. So it might be oh, in the first year about 15 cents per gallon of gas. Okay. Um, but also being in San Francisco, a lot of us don't use heating, don't use air conditioning as much as people in some other uh, climates. And we have really good public transit. So a lot of people have very green uh, lifestyles. Mm -hmm. So I think San Francisco would be a great kind of case study of where people would end up getting more from the dividend back than the additional tax that they're paying. And overall, I think about 55% of families would do better under this plan. Mm -hmm. And it's highly progressive because if you're um, someone who owns a lot of vehicles or is just generally very well off, you tend to buy more things. Mm -hmm. So your consumption of carbon-based goods is going to be higher. You're going to pay more into this tax fund than you're going to get back. Whereas people who are in poverty, I mean, don't end up spending that much in carbon mm -hmm. um, fees. So it would actually reduce poverty as well. So you can sort of, we have a graph on our website, um, which shows by income decile, how much people are likely to get on a, on a net basis. And I think the bottom six deciles or so on average do uh, better from the plan, whereas the top deciles would tend to contribute a bit. Um, but they'd be living in a cleaner environment, right? right, we, right. We, uh, as Cecilia mentioned, they would cut emissions by 40% in the first 12 years. That's sort of our estimate. Mm -hmm. And um, if it doesn't do that, then it actually requires the EPA to enforce more regulations on carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. And that's about that 40% in 12 years is what the IPCC has said uh, we really need to do to attack the problem. Okay. Cool. Um, I do have, I have a lot of concerns just about the world in general, and yeah. I thought could maybe, so when you mentioned EPA, of course, now we've, the, with the new leadership in the EPA and how it's been gutted, so I'm curious as to how things could even be regulated given the current administration and how folks who might be able to watch out for things are no, maybe no longer there. Yeah. So one of the r really interesting things about the bill and one of the reasons why there's um, why the bill doesn't have like a ton of support from um, from the progressive left right now mm -hmm. is because it's market or it's market uh, driven. So mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't actually um, it doesn't in involve regulations mm -hmm. per se. Regulations are sort of like auditing things that are already entering the environment or, you know, like um, trying to keep track of sources and how much pollution is entering, um, uh, how much pollution is entering the system. So this actually incentivizes, um, uh, consumers, businesses, um, producers, it incentivizes the entire market to shift. Mm -hmm. So, um, as oil, um, and, uh, petroleum gets more expensive, mm -hmm. um, uh, as fossil fuels get more expensive under this, um, then, um, it would drive innovation. It would like basically take away the edge that fossil fuels have had mm. for, I don't know, <laughs> like, um, to, to kind of balance out the, the raw power of fossil fuels, mm -hmm. um, with this, um, with this market, uh, um, handicap. Um, and, uh, um, so, so that's actually, because it is market driven, there are, there are, um, you know, a lot of folks who are, um, kind of the, like like yourself who who or, or, or you know folks who are deeply concerned about the um the inequality of a capitalist system and yes. the and the basic exploitation right. that a capitalist system kind of um uh, uh perpetuates yes. and i totally understand personally my personal politics i completely agree and i i believe that there's some uh fundamental restructuring that needs to happen reorienting to the um the importance of the biosphere mm -hmm. and to you know um and to humanity um 
Uh, however, in this moment, because the system that we're operating under um, is so vast mm-hmm. um, uh, and the time is so short yeah. to address the problem, um, uh, kind of changing the dials on the system and mm-hmm. making fossil fuels less appealing to the people who are making decisions based on money every day, right, right. Um, that's, uh, um, that's one of the reasons why... Um, uh, why it's both effective and controversial. Mm-hmm. And I just add, I think you're not alone. There's a lot of progressives who are on board with the bill. Uh, Barbara Lee, for example, is mm-hmm. one of the co-sponsors. She's mm-hmm. really a sort of an icon of Thank the you, progressive Barbara Lee. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I think, I don't know, I kind of feel like if Pelosi wasn't the Speaker of the House, she'd be for it. And um, she maybe not might not be as much on the progressive side, but uh, there's a lot of people in our chapter, a lot of people in the Oakland chapter mm-hmm. or Alameda County chapter who identify with DSA and other mm-hmm. kinds of left groups, um, because I, I think there just isn't time to, to waste, right? We, sure. we have to make progress on this problem or we're all going to die. <laughs> that's, that's true. We're going to die anyway, but and, you know, we'll die sooner. And we'll offer like, diversity of tactics too and just different ways to, like, to show up and make that change, certainly. And something you mentioned earlier is about the Republicans. I don't know if either of you have read the book Dark Money by Jane Mayer, and it talks about the Koch brothers. It might be worth picking up if you're if you have the the chance. And it talks about how back back in the day in the seventies, or at least Republicans at least recognized that climate change was real or that science was real. And due to that money coming in from the Koch brothers and just really. I don't have the right words for it, just a lot of negative feelings about them, but kind of putting the money into politics and making the climate become like a political issue. Has that kind of changed? So I imagine that has influenced a bit what's happening right now in terms of Republicans maybe not wanting to get on board right away. Well, there are definitely Republicans who are interested. Um, Some of them lost lost their seats, but, you know, the elected Republicans aren't the only Republicans out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fossil fuel companies, some of them even support this kind of idea because they would rather pay the money and have a really consistent predictable kind of regime rather than an epa where um they might like what's going on with trump right now but it's very unpredictable um so if a administration changes it's also just hard to know exactly what is going to be regulated even Mm -hmm. if you know the regulators really well yeah and i think actually um personally i I kind of feel like there's a little bit actually more room for corruption when you have regulators compared to a price mechanism um, because regulators can't regulate every single thing, right? Mm -hmm. They have to make choices. They have to decide which factories, which um, oil companies are we going to investigate. Um, So that kind of discretion is taken away in our bill because Mm. everything is priced consistently. And uh, I think they prefer that. The society should prefer that because our bill would be much more productive at reducing greenhouse gas emissions than any really any regulation that's been tried in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, you know, I was very skeptical when I heard yeah. that fossil fuel companies were on board with the bill, yeah, but, yeah. um, I think taking it at face value, understanding that we can, um, you know, they actually have said, even Rex Tillerson was saying that we need to address carbon or emissions and <laughs> he sort of supported carbon pricing. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. and so, wow. There's opportunity for everyone mm-hmm. to win. Um, yeah, and one thing to, to also um, consider is that regulators cost a lot of money. It uh-huh. costs a lot of money to to regulate and to try and go after the thousands of different sources that CO two comes from. Yeah. Um, uh, versus you know putting a price on it is mm-hmm. pretty simple. 
Cool. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, And then all of that money that you're not spending on regulation Mm -hmm. goes into the pockets of people who are feeling the effect Mm -hmm. of, um, of the price change and people who can make different choices. Like it's going to, it's going to significantly affect people who get their energy from coal power plants, um, from, uh, from fossil fuel energy, um, plants. So, um, so that's going to be a big, uh, a big, um, cost impact for, um, for a lot of families. But then with the dividend check in their, um, bank account every month, they'll be able to make choices about what kind of energy, where they want to spend their money on their energy. Mm-hmm. And that, and that those choices are going to be able to, um, to drive a green economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that point is really powerful to me. It's currently when we have regulations, those actually do increase the price of power of gas, you know, of, uh, goods that you buy. Um, we just don't really see it and we don't benefit from it directly mm-hmm. either. So when we move to a pricing regime where people get the money back in their pockets, um, we might have, we're going to have even greater carbon effects, but also, um, unlike before where they were sort of paying this hidden tax from the regulations, mm-hmm. they're getting money that offsets that. And this is especially important for um, low-income people, yeah. um, which is my sort of um, primary focus in yeah. the professional world. So, mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so, then a question in terms of so I've heard that the biggest polluter in the world is the U.S. military, and I was curious if your organization has any. I'm, I'm just thought it'd be a great when I think about how to solve the the climate crisis. Think about like pollution and, and the military and what it's been doing for for decades and. You know, not to mention, of course, the deaths of human beings all around through the military, but just through the, through what it's done to the climate. And I was curious if your organization has any like anti-war, anti-militarization element to it or working group within it. Um, so uh, the organization is really simple. Um, it's all about this one bill. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so it's, it's all about bill. just just building relationships and getting it passed. Got it. That's okay. um, that's all we do. Um, phone calls, constituent letters. Um, yeah, meeting with con- uh, uh, Congress members, representatives, um, just for this one very simple well, laser focus bill. So unfortunately, it's a little bit. Um, yeah, at least personally, I consider yeah. this unfortunate. Um, part of building those relationships is trying to get Republicans on board and the military is very important to them. Um, agriculture also mm-hmm. is very important mm-hmm. politically. So there are actually two carve outs in this bill um, where uh, agriculture, so farmers basically get to keep track of the uh, fees that they pay mm-hmm. on the carbon emissions and they get a rebate. So okay. they get a refund for it. So it basically excludes agriculture and it also excludes the military. Right. Um, yeah, so that's one of the concessions that was sort of necessary to get this kind of bipartisan support. And even a lot of Democrats are pro-military. I think there are a lot of other really promising ways to reduce the uh, environmental impact of the military. I was actually really um, impressed with Elizabeth Warren's idea to really use them to uh, make targets. So say we're going to target um, reducing, or I think maybe she had an idea to make grants to the military based on how green their kind of um, activities were, because um, that is kind of the kind of thing that you don't need as much congressional approval for because they're the commander in chief. So uh, if there were a Democrat president in 2020, I think there'd be room to attack this problem from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, um, in terms of like building, one of the things, um, that is interesting to me, it's a little bit of a tangent, but one of the things that's really interesting to me, um, is the, um, uh, to some degree, the pragmatism, um, uh, of when, when the, um, uh, when the when the national uh, security um, report came out on climate change being the number one um, the the number one um, uh, climate security um, ma- multiplier mm-hmm. um, uh, national security multiplier um, that it would uh, that it would basically the interesting thing about um, about the U.S. military in to that degree is um, is the the ability to see the threat of climate change um, so. I don't know. Maybe it's a little far-fetched, but but there's um uh, maybe a, a hope in that pragmatism that like this is a this is a real problem and that it's going to make things much worse. That that understanding is present in the leadership, um, um, in of the de- the defense department. But um, that's a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> I also think there's going to be even if this bill maybe doesn't touch military carbon emissions directly, I would expect that it would have sort of a knockoff knock-on effect of reducing um, their impact because it would encourage this kind of innovation throughout the economy. Mm -hmm. So every kind of new good or service that's being produced in the economy, uh, people are going to have more incentive to make it um, lower emission. And at the end of the day, the military is just another consumer. Um, They develop a lot of technology themselves, um, but they will consume things that are going to um, be developed in a more green, innovative kind of environment if that makes sense yeah it makes sense i just have a lot of i have a lot of feelings about the military and and what it does and you know having drones that are maybe powered by more sustainable you know resources or energy doesn't you know like it's yeah i'm thinking about that the human the human cost of it um as opposed to yeah for sure uh yeah some things i think we have to just win elections and uh, change the trajectory across these other domains. Because, um, yeah, I don't think our bill would end up r- reducing military intervention overall. That's yeah. Vasco. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and especially considering the um, uh, the the sort of the climate catastrophe that we're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I yeah I don't see. Um, uh, one of like I want to continue having these conversations, like we were yeah. we were mentioning earlier, like the 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 conversation around demilitarizing and the conversation about like what what are, what are the functions of war, which mm-hmm. you know have real human and philosophical and like moral and ethical um, uh, uh, questions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, these are conversations that humanity's been having for thousands of years, and I want to continue like having impacts and having these conversations. Um, we just have such a short timeline sure. <laughs> to kind of, to deal with this, this problem. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It, it, it brings up, it brings up the, 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 the sort of, um, truism that there is no such thing as perfect policy. There's, um, uh, because perfect policy always fails. It never gets passed. Um, but, uh, but good policy can pass. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. So, so what's the timeline like for this bill then? Where, where at what stage is it at right now? Well, it's being. Uh, we gained a lot of co-sponsors after mm-hmm. our. I think we gained ten co-sponsors or so mm-hmm. after our lobby day. So that was uh, a big step for us. It got many, many more co-sponsors, I think, than last year's bill. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to find a Senate co-sponsor on the Republican side. That's, um, I'd say, our biggest. Uh, 
biggest goal. So if you have any listeners who are in uh, states controlled by... Uh, oh, states. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Say like, yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, so, I'm, or, or if they're yeah. conservative. Uh, I, I don't they think they're listening to this show for the right reasons, but uh, <laughs> I don't know for certain who all the listeners are. But please, yeah, continue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, folks like Arizona, there's lots of... Um, we were just talking about climate refugees. I think there's lots of uh, folks in red states who are mm-hmm. going to be affected Direly by yeah. what's going on in the climate, um, and I think it's especially attractive to people in more agriculture-heavy states. Mm-hmm. So, um, because they get the exemption, and because climate change really affects farmers um, yes. in a major way. So, yeah. w- once we have that senator, then um, w- I think we could start a conversation of putting it to a vote. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding, actually. There's probably some stuff yeah. behind the scenes that um, I'm not privy to, but uh, do you know of any other major sort of legislative steps aside from just getting co-sponsors? No, not at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, one of the one of the kind of main tenets of um, a CCL strategy is to is to build bipartisan support so that mm-hmm. it so that whatever legislation passes has um, uh, can weather. Um, different uh, leadership. Mm-hmm. So, uh, looking back at kind of Obama's legacy and how much you know, how much change he was able to um, to sort of enact, and then all the, and then how much of that was rolled back and reversed. Mm-hmm. So, um, so approaching it from uh, like really making it a, a unified effort, um, or or at least a collaborative effort, um, would uh, would like increase the longevity of mm-hmm. whatever it was that was passed. Um, so that, that's definitely the strategy, um, for the, uh, for the carbon pricing, um, bill. Yeah. If you think about Obamacare, um, it tried really hard to get some Republican support or at least, you know, some moderate Democrat support and still it's being fought in the courts because it just didn't have the kind of durability that, um, or the kind of support that lended itself to more durable implementation of the bill. So I think the more support we get, the less we have to um, compromise in terms of features of the bill that could be vulnerable in the future. Mm-hmm. There are um, so uh, some of the things. Um, uh, this, uh, some of the things that are really interesting in terms of like having these conversations and like the direct lobbying um, is that uh, there there was a governor from a very or um, there was a representative from a very red state and there was a 15 year old who continued to lobby them for like oh yeah um, I was a 15 year old who continued to like show up at their office and lobby every year you know um, mother in tow kind of lobbying this one representative who was um, who was military um, um, uh, climate change denier, and after so many years of just having this conversation, um, uh, there now there is there is ac- an actual conversation that's ha- that's taking place. So um, in some ways, it's it's like the the thing that's really fascinating and engaging, and like also very counter to how politics has been has been aimed uh, recently. How mm-hmm. the how the trend has been going is that um, is that it's all about having conversations. And like um, you know, uh, Catherine Hayhoe is a really fantastic climate uh, climate scientist and communicator. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she talks about is um, uh, is uh, making connections and like just just talking about it um, because it really is it really is important to more people than. Um, uh, then it's apparent because we don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finding out the per- people's personal connection to climate change. Everyone has, I think, a story of 
someone who's been affected by a climate disaster or mm -hmm. even second or third degree connections um, or just knowing that like if you're living in San Francisco it's pretty hard to live without AC anymore right mm -hmm. once upon a time it wasn't a big deal and now it's really pretty uncomfortable to sure. to do that so or people who have decided to move out of parts of Arizona because it's 120 degree heat mm -hmm. every you know few days or a few weeks and just that hasn't happened in the past so finding out how we can make that kind of human connection will build support for the group. Mm -hmm. I was curious if the organization, I know it's based here in the U.S., but if there are other organizations that are international that you were working with. Or, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So actually there are chapters of CCL, Citizens Climate Lobby, outside the U.S. as well. Mm -hmm. I think the 500 might include other chapters, although the vast majority of them, or sorry, other countries, mm -hmm. almost all of them are in the U.S., but probably... I wouldn't be surprised if we had maybe 50 chapters outside the U.S. or so. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of people come to the, the conference, actually, from outside the U.S. And I think of our biggest trading partners, something like 10 of them have uh, carbon pricing already going mm. on. So uh, Canada implemented one fairly recently. Um, carbon fee and dividend. Carbon fee and dividend, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So we were inspired by that. I think India has one. Um, so there's a lot of international support. And actually, I think this bill would build even more international support because of the way it treats imports and exports. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, the way we do it is, because if you imagine you're a U.S. manufacturer and you're exporting and you have to pay the fee uh, on any carbon emissions from your production, and then you're competing with uh, some group, let's say, in, in Mexico, and Mexico doesn't have the same kind of uh, pricing, you'd be at a competitive disadvantage compared to a Mexican producer. So what we do is we say anything that's exported, you get a, a refund for it. So that, that helps keep the incentives aligned. And then uh, similarly, if there's something that's imported from Mexico, we assess uh, what's called a border adjustment. So that will um, also place the fee on imported goods based on how much carbon emissions they would have generated if they were produced in the U.S. And, and then that fee gets distributed to American households. <laughs> that's right, yeah. So it's kind of, it's almost like a tariff, but it doesn't, uh, it's not a real tariff. And we do believe that the World Trade Organization would, this would be in compliance with them. Um, but let's say Mexico implements a carbon pricing uh, law like we do, we would then waive all those um, parameters of the bill. Mm -hmm. And if it was dividend, then it would go back to Mexican households. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And we also try to build partnerships with other climate organizations inside yeah. the U.S. I don't know if, if that was maybe what you're referring to. Oh, I mean, yeah, that too. That's a really good point. Yeah, I was curious about that as well. Like, and also just like, in addition to uh, legislature and affecting things through those means, I was curious about other like actions that, because there's a lot of different ways, like we were mentioning earlier, I was talking a little bit earlier about Standing Rock and how, you know, the battle against pipelines going in, and it seems like that's another way of wanting to protect the earth and protect the climate as well. And that's more of a direct action and perhaps uh, more, I guess, decentralized than, than the organization you're with. But I was curious as to... Yeah, I guess, yeah, other other organizations or other other ways that folks can participate. Yeah, so I think we, I'm actually, maybe you're aware of some mm -hmm. formal partnerships we have with other orgs. Oh. Um, 
Um, Other good, climate orgs? Yeah, good question. I'm actually... Uh, hold on. Give me a minute there. <laughs> do some real-time research. Um, I do know that within San Francisco, we make an effort to attend other orgs meetings. So, for example, 350 is a mm -hmm. big national organization. They might be international, actually. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And um, so some of our folks talk to them. We go to their meetings. We present at their meetings. And then they actually come to us. Mm -hmm. So they say what they're up to at our meeting. We meet every, every month. Um, so... Uh, we welcome any of your listeners, by the way, to yeah. attend a meeting. Uh, our next one is this coming Saturday at okay. Manny's in the Mission mm -hmm. in San Francisco at 10 a.m. Um, and so they came to us. We sort of have this dialogue, um, even if there's not a formal endorsement from their organization for really it would be our bill would be the, the best thing that an organization like that could do. Um, and there have been some that have done that. Uh, I don't think 350 is on board fully yet, but th those are the kind of partnerships that we're seeking. Is this more sort of grassroots, just making sure that anytime there's an, a climate event like Standing Rock, that we're out there talking to people and um, listening to them, listening mm -hmm. to their biggest concerns and seeing if we can integrate that into our messaging so that mm -hmm. we can amplify their voice and then hopefully make that uh, sort of reciprocal, uh, reciprocal relationship mm -hmm. um, as well. Yeah, one of the the recent kind of um, uh, joint um, many different organizations, um, uh, environmental organizations, have been pushing for a um, uh, a climate emergency declaration. Yes, um, yes. in San Francisco, and so we're we're um, one of the voices um, that uh, that is a part of that coalition um, that's working on that. So. Um, and I know that that privately, a lot of the members of CCL have their fingers in lots of different activist pies. Sure. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, we're trying to get local elected officials as well to mm -hmm. make endorsements. Um, just the same way, especially the Board of Supervisors tends to make endorsements on state bills and mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, we think there's a big opportunity to activate these, uh, you know, sub-congressional kind of legislators to put pressure on the national legislators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find that more distracting than helpful. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I was referring to something off off air. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. We talked about Standing Rock. Are there mm -hmm. other kind of? I'm curious what what you think. Other potential, or if you've been exposed to things that we could integrate into our messaging, or yeah. what do you think? I mean, I guess like for more of just like folks I've spoken with have done more like um, just kind of direct environmental activism. So I was mentioning before I had a guest on the show, I think back in 2014, so it was a while ago, and she spoke about, she was, uh, many other folks were the folks who would, you know, chain themselves to trees, for instance. And then there was an, I think Judy Berry was an activist who like the FBI planted a bomb in her car, like just like, so state repression against environmental activists. So, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation to have, certainly. And it sounds like what you, what your organization is doing is far more, um, it's just kind of going with the policy wonkery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Going with, going with policy, which is another approach to take certainly. Yeah. So we definitely love trees. Yeah. Um, yeah. so for example, we actually, one other piece of the bill is a, um, a carbon, it's not capture, but we have some sort of refund for people who uh, emit carbon, but also offset it. Mm -hmm. So, if you are a 
uh, a factory that makes widgets and you have some sort of uh, carbon footprint, you can offset that by, I believe, planting trees is one of the, the mm-hmm. main ways that you can sort of avoid paying that bill. So that's basically hmm. um, uh, creating an incentive for people to to do more of, you know, make the environment better. Um, it's not exactly, <laughs> um, you know, chaining yourself to trees, but uh, we... We think that that anything that raises awareness of the issue is productive. Yeah, the the direct action, the climate marches, um, uh, Greta Thunberg um, having uh, having such a raising the awareness, like the Mm -hmm. the shift. So, citizens' climate lobby is all about building political will, Mm -hmm. and the um, uh, the legislators uh, react to what um, to what people are um, uh, to to what people are expressing to what they're you know to what they're they're feeling like the, the. the, the the weight of a constituent letter it's not really sexy but the weight of a constituent letter um, is also um, it reflects um, in a like in a different kind of lever mm-hmm. um, uh, as um, as the marches do mm-hmm. the marches are essential because they help um, they help people understand that they're that they're not alone in their concerns right, right. and that they're and that there's visibility and it helps um, you know bring it into um, a conversation and it for me it's also kind of like a celebratory moment it's mm-hmm. like we're we're in this fight together yes um and so there's 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 something uh essential like that is public demonstration is a you know peaceful peaceful demonstration is protected um and and as it should be because it's um uh um public gathering uh, i'm not sure the exact uh wording of the first amendment but but that the right to public assembly mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, um is uh like um, it is a lever of political power, of political will, and so while CCL doesn't organize marches um, in the same way that um, that that other organizations do, mm-hmm. um, uh, we kind of we we really leverage the other um, the other political tools um, that uh, sometimes kind of miss that connection. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being in a march and being like, so now what? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's so it's I think they're they're kind of the two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it is the building of political will it is the shifting of um of uh, uh of the zeitgeist it is um the kind of the 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 pressure up upon our leaders mm-hmm. um we're just using kind of the the other means the the sort of the the more um uh, uh the more uh, button down <laughs> means but it's all it's it's a part of the same puzzle for sure and we have rally in dc actually so oh, yeah, yeah that's right national lobby <laughs> day um i think right before or maybe simultaneously to uh talking to all the congress people we held a, a rally and i think we do try to make an effort when there is a climate march if it's happening locally at least have some people with the banner out so um yeah all, all that kind of direct action stuff we might not right now be the ones leading that, but we are trying to at least participate, support it, and uh, make people know that there is a way to make a productive change from, mm-hmm. from their activism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're more like the, the table at, um, at Sunday Streets. Mm-hmm. Or at the jazz festival, we're just like we're continually showing up, a constant presence, um, yeah, having the conversation and moving it forward. Mm-hmm. Something else I thought of is I've, I've a very angry about the automobile industry and just how it has kind of sabotaged public transportation throughout oh. the ages and oh. understanding how there's too many cars on the road and also now with Uber and Lyft and has added to having more cars on the road and less folks taking public transportation. And I was curious as to 
any kind of connection with supporting the public transit that does exist, which would encourage folks to drive less. And I mean, it's a kind of a, it's, it's connected and also separate from from the work you're doing. And also, just curious as as to as environmentalists that that piece in it. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I mean, this is a really personal one for me because I'm actually in the process. I've been in San Francisco for three years. I live in Soma, pretty close to the Bay Bridge, Mm -hmm. which is the most polluted part of San Francisco because of the bridge and Mm -hmm. all the people lining up, um, you know, idling, exhausting in uh, really the most dense part of the neighborhood. So uh, part of the city. So there's so many people who are ingesting these fumes. so my cat even got asthma after we oh, moved geez. to this area. I mean, it's just kind of absurd how oh. poor the air quality is. It yeah. feels um, it feels unhealthy to really take a walk outside. So, and you know, there's lots of people too with the wildfires uh, mm-hmm. who are experiencing seeing this kind of smog. And vehicles are a really huge part of um, of creating that kind of pollution. So even though we're not regulating or pricing pollution per Mm se, um, we are, um, by pricing carbon, we're going to save, I think, about 30,000 lives per year. Uh, There's been a study recently in a peer-reviewed journal suggesting that a carbon price of the kind that we're proposing would reduce um, deaths from from pollution. So, and it's not just deaths we care about. Alzheimer's disease was recently linked to um, to pollution. Mm-hmm. There's just so many air Cancers. air things that maybe aren't going to kill you, but really reduce the uh, quality of life, especially yeah. for again low income people who mm-hmm. tend to we build freeways right through their yes. neighborhoods. Yeah. So, and for me, um, I just sort of made the personal decision that I want to at least give my lungs a break for a bit. So I'm moving out of San Francisco on Tuesday. Um, oh. So uh, I love the city, but it's just kind of this part of it at least is a little bit too much for me. And I think um, I'm sure I'm not alone. A lot mm-hmm. of people end up moving to the suburbs where they drive um, because they want to escape the pollution from cars that go through areas with people who tend not to own cars. Sure. I don't, I've never owned a car since I've lived in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you might not either. So I think there's there would be more incentive to... For people to avoid driving and that would push people more toward uh public transit or just any other kind of you know biking i biked over here from mm-hmm. my neighborhood um so it's a huge huge issue Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thinking about transportation and um, uh, thinking about commutes and and super commutes, um, uh, it definitely kind of it 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 um, it points to the complexity of the problem um, and and like a housing density near uh, transportation hubs is something um, something that's being advocated um, for um, by uh, by planners here in the Bay Area um, and on a state level, um, but it's it's definitely it's so like the 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 um, potential solutions are so multifaceted, and it's it's such a complex problem. Um, uh, there's a there's a, a quote that I really like um, that there is no silver bullet, but there's lots of silver buckshot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there are because there are so many um, uh, different uh, things to address. Um, there are s- so many ways that we can kind of 
find solutions. Um, and even though, like, one, one of the great things about um, the dividend is that as people are facing the complexity of these problems, they will literally have a check in their pocket to be able to, to, to make choices um, towards, towards what, kind of, um, what kind of life and lifestyle that they want to have. And, and that mobility, like, there is, there is like, um, a sort of a green privilege. Like, if you have the money, you can purchase your solar panels. If you mm-hmm. have, you know, if you have, um, buy a if Tesla. You, you can buy a Tesla, you can, you know, but that, but, you know, I've talked to a lot of folks who want to have, who want to have an electric vehicle, mm-hmm. but because, uh, because they're renting or because, you know, just certain, you know, certain things are sort of like in the way of that. They're they they mm-hmm. don't have the, the, um, economic like, uh, uh, leverage right. to make those choices. And that's, um, uh, that's something that, um, uh, that's something that this would kind of come at really directly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, again, it's not the silver bullet, but it is, but it's definitely would add, um, uh, uh, give people more freedom to make those choices. Um, like b- buying organic produce or, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many different ways that you can kind of, um, touch on and kind of feed the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but if you don't have, if you don't have the, um, the funds to make those choices, then you're, then you're, you're out of the game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and Cecilia talked about land use patterns. I think, uh, CCL doesn't take a stand on land use patterns specifically, um, in terms of developing, uh, density near transit, those kinds of things. Uh, but it's, it's an issue I personally care about. And I think this actually would kind of move things in the right direction, because if you think of a lot of the opposition to building dense housing near transit tends to come from people who are worried about traffic. And um, so I, you oh, from from what my understanding is that it ends up raising the cost of living. So it ends up people end up having to move. So yeah. it's really a gentrification. I think there uh, there are multiple um, avenues of people who oppose us. Um, I've seen mm-hmm. that argument. I've seen also the traffic argument. I've seen the school mm-hmm. argument. Um, you know, just over burdening schools, those kinds of things. Uh, so to the extent that sort of there are a variety of factors and people concerned about traffic could be one. If people are dis- or discouraged from driving so much through the pi- price signal of gas and also the amount of carbon emissions involved in producing a vehicle, vehicles are going to get more expensive too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that will end up perhaps um, shifting the conversation to other types of concerns about land use, but at least we won't have as heated a discussion about traffic because people will be taking other forms of transportation. Yeah, it's definitely a systemic um, a, a public transportation versus vehicular traffic is, is a it's a systemic um, long-term infrastructure question. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, again, <laughs> like the, the, those are kind of the trickier problems to, to solve in the in the in the CO2 emissions mm-hmm. um, uh, in the in the emissions um, uh, equation. The, the low hanging fruit is how we produce our energy. That's that's mm. like half of the problem is how do we you know, how do we power our how do how do yeah, how do we get our electricity mm-hmm. um, is, a, is a huge, uh, huge question. And so that um, uh, that would be swiftly and directly addressed by the bill. Um, and then the infrastructure questions, um, uh, the infrastructure questions, we would have to um, systemically change those through other, um, through other policies, through other leadership. Um, uh, but, but I think it would make a difference there too, because if you're, let's say you're a 
legislator uh, in a city and you have the option of moving your power grid let's say you own the municipal utilities or something like that mm-hmm. Ooh, um sfpuc yeah <laughs> um maybe there's an option to move people over to uh clean energy something mm-hmm. like solar or wind yes you will have a, your constituents will be asking for that right because right? your constituents will say hey i'm paying through the roof because i've got all these really dirty power sources yeah. that are um creating my electricity so hey legislator i'm gonna give you a call you better make stuff greener because it's gonna save me money mm-hmm. um so Again, not a direct effect, but mm-hmm. I think it aligns incentives f- such that the people are going to ask for the right things from their elected officials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, folks might consider like the the cost savings of riding their bicycle. Um, uh, I know that I know that bicycles are free to ride your bicycle. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, okay, maybe that's not no, a good example. They're, <laughs> they're not driving as much, right? If, right. You're, if you're replacing mm-hmm. trips with bikes. Uh, your car trips with bicycles, then mm-hmm. you're going to ask your legislator for better bike lanes, safer bike right, lanes, right. all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of, uh, the, the bike coalition and how, you know, their advocacy has, has really changed the infrastructure, the biking infrastructure of the city, mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in the time that they've been working and, you know, and having lived in the city for, um, 14 years and being able to see how things have changed. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, that sort of long-term long-term advocacy is really um, uh, it pays off. Mm-hmm. Um, bicyclists don't kill each other. Uh, motorists really. kill bicyclists. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, I'm I yeah I'm a bicyclist myself, so I totally yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, on that note, we're approaching the end of uh, the hour that we've had together. Okay. So, wanted just to check in and see if there's anything else you wanted to discuss. Any other like topics or other upcoming events? Oh, um, yeah. So we have a we have a monthly uh, monthly um, chapter meeting. Um, San Francisco has a monthly chapter meeting at. Um, uh, currently, we're meeting at Manny's, um, mm-hmm. which uh, is a really cool space, um, civic gathering space. Um, um, and yeah, so uh, it, that, that's the second Saturday of the month, mm-hmm. always Saturday morning, mm-hmm. Saturday morning, um, at 10. Mm-hmm. So. uh, nine 30 to 12. Okay. Yeah. New members at nine 30 and then the national conference call starts at 12. Okay. Oh, pardon me. Starts at 10. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if anyone's interested in learning more, you can go to citizensclimatelobby.org. Um, or to learn about the bill specifically, Energy yes. Innovation Act. We didn't actually talk about the name of the oh, bill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. H.R. 763. <laughs> yes, yeah, share that. Yes. Um, House of Representatives, uh, Bill Number 763, um, Energy and Innovation. Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. So E-I-C-D-A <laughs> is, or H.R. 763. Um, we usually just call it Energy Innovation Act. So if mm-hmm. you, uh, that's sort of the Twitter hashtag and Facebook hashtag that we use. Um along with the other carbon pricing, you know, save the planet, all the, the other kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. price yeah. on pollution. And there's chapters all over the Bay area. So it's not oh, just San okay. Francisco. There's one, um, in Alameda County. There's one in San Mateo County. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe San Jose has one and there are, uh, you know, about 500 chapters across the world. So hope people can get involved. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you both so much for being here. Roman, thanks thank for you, having Roman. us. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, well, we'll take a bit of a music break, and we'll be back uh, after this. Stay tuned, everyone.
And welcome back to the weekly review. Throwman, big thanks to Cecilia and Max for coming in and chatting a little bit. Uh, lots to learn and different approaches to affecting climate change. So I appreciate uh, having that conversation. Uh, just played some music here. I thought of some nature type songs that we could play. The first one was by Dan Mangan, I believe is the artist's name. And I first heard of him when I was in Bloomington, Indiana for a couple months. I traveled a bit and ended up in certain places. That's another story for another podcast. Uh, not this one though. And so played that one. And then also make tomorrow by one of my favorites, Peter Gabriel with vocals by Richie Havens. <sighs> Good song. All right. And before that, we heard a couple songs by Ruby Ibarra and big thanks to Joanne Rondelia for, uh, cheering, sharing those those songs uh i really appreciate uh ruby Barra's music and we'll play more in the future wanted to as we're rounding out the program it's 144 usually we end a little bit before two <sighs> i've talked a lot listened a lot a lot my head's a buzzing with a lot uh <laughs> so wanted to share an event that's happening that folks can attend as long as you have internet access you can attend it anywhere it's called healthcare access teach-in slash skills share and this is hosted by the health justice commons and it's happening on july 14th which is this sunday so from 2 30 p.m to 4 30 p.m and they don't have the time zone i'm assuming that's in pacific time but please check out the event invite because that will provide more information i'm going to share the event invite right now on our facebook page which again you can find at facebook.com forward slash weekly rev share a lot of news stories there that i don't always get to on the air as well as events so folks can have a way of circling back especially if you're not listening live it's a way of yeah sharing information so just shared it now and it's uh, via zoom so if you log into zoom you'll be able to share this event and I'm going to read the details. Amid <clears throat> taking the mic out of the mic stand, uh, <laughs> amid growing public outrage about the deplorable state of U.S. healthcare, too many of us continue to struggle to meet our basic healthcare needs. For some of us, it's a matter of life and death. This free online workshop via Zoom offers basic training on knowing your medical rights and advocacy skills. We have your back. You will learn. <clears throat> you will learn. Basic Medical Rights Under HIPAA and Patients' Bill of Rights, Common Ways These Rights Are Undermined and the Challenges You May Encounter in Exercising Your Rights, Clear Self-Advocacy Methods That You, Family Members, Chosen or Biological, or Advocates Can Use on Your Behalf, To Identify Your Own Innate Advocacy Strength and Skills, Skills to Center and Ground You for When You Are Feeling Overwhelmed About Getting the Care You Need and Deserve. For those that wish, the workshop will offer confidential space to ask questions about current healthcare access needs or share skills and advocacy successes. The workshop will be co-facilitated by members of the Health Justice Commons team, Dr. Kimberly Jackson and Mordecai Edinger. You can learn more about Kim and Mordecai here, and they provide a link, which is at www.healthjusticecommons.org forward slash team. And you can learn more about the Health Justice Commons here, and that is at www. Do I even need to say that anymore? Am I dating myself? <sighs> me and my old uh, fun fact about me. It's not really a fun fact. I used to have a fan site for an actor who's super problematic. And if you know me well, you know which actor it is. Uh, I had a GeoCities fan site for this actor back in the day in the 90s. Yep, thankfully that's gone. Anyway, <laughs> 
side note, sometimes it's fun just to share information about ourselves that we are glad that we have moved on from. Okay, so please check out the Health Justice Commons site, which is healthjusticecommons.org. And there's also the online workshop at Zoom. They have provide the link. It's https colon slash slash zoom dot us forward slash one zero seven seven one two two one five and again all this information is included in the event which we've shared on the facebook page access information there uh, live captioning will be provided the video will be recorded with the permission of participants for participants future use no part of the recording will be shared without participant permission oh great so uh, yes, it's uh, Sunday, July 14th, 2.30 p.m. Pacific time to 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Why am I tapping? Um, I'm just ah, energized. Okay, and again, happening anywhere where you can get internet access via Zoom. So again, big thanks to the Health Justice Commons team for putting this together, and hopefully lots of ways folks can uh, learn and share information. Great. With that note, time to sign off the air please do support mutiny radio we've got shows here every day of the week if you're interested in having a show here of your own you can do so there are slots available you get two hours a week to do whatever you want you pay monthly dues um and you get to have a show it's pretty great and if you'd like to support the station in particular you go to mutinyradio.fm and uh there's a I believe a gofundme or a donate button i think a donate button you go up there you donate to the station it really the doors stay open based on the dues we pay and by open mics where folks and shows that we rent the spaces for so also if you want to rent the space for something that's totally available get a live live podcast you can have an audience in here so please do keep us in mind for hosting events also uh, if you'd like to support this show in particular, and a big thank you to all the patrons out there, um, I it means the world to me. I've been doing this now for over five years. I feel like it's necessary, and it's one one of the many things that folks can do to to show up. And I want to help share people's voices and start conversations. And it means a lot to me that there are folks listening and folks who are able to donate. I really appreciate you donating anywhere from a dollar a month is super helpful and meaningful to me. If you go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev, um, it, yeah, it means a lot. And also please do spread the word, share this podcast. Also, um, Max and Cecilia mentioned that, um, when the episode goes up, which will be, which most likely will be at the end of the day, uh, if any folks have questions for them about the bill or about their organization, feel free to comment. So I'll be sharing it again on Facebook. So for listeners, if you have follow-ups and that's, that's true for any of the guests that we have on here, um, really do appreciate feedback and conversations happening. So please do check us out again. Uh, Feel free to donate patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Follow news stories on facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. You can follow me on Twitter. Tweet a lot of angry stories. Not angry. St- well, yes, that's true. I'm not going to comment on that, but you can follow me on Twitter at R O M A N R I M E R. And I think that's about it. Women's Magazine and Common Thread Collective are taking a bit of a hiatus. They will be back at some point. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, gonna play some music as we get into the breaker and big thanks again to the folks who show up and do what we can for the earth I'm yeah okay Uh, all right I'm gonna put on some more music and um, yeah we'll be back next week have a great week everybody
free on a raft without a pattern. Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I'd bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... <laughs> it's in duty, this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> In your car, and you're listening to one radio station. You need radio you're station. You're filtering all, all the others. They are they are tweeting in on all frequencies, and you keep them. So just listen to to one specific six. Saturday, Saturday into two. And you leave the sound quality quality good, and you understand understanding that's playing playing. However, however, if your radio video is not fine too, too, you might need two or two or three or more stage stations at the same time. time.
Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. If you're looking for some delicious late night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside you can find counter offer, offering you amazing late night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamylicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! I actually changed like three times through the course of that.